Well, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, the title, Our, God, Our Father in Heaven. And really answering the question, is God our Father? Um, here at uh, Term Throne, God our Father, right? Uh, God, uh, Jesus instructed us to pray that way and address uh, the Lord that way. And as Ravi Zacharias illustrated to us that God is a Father, and we have, He's known throughout Scripture and been revealed to us as Father. And I just want to show you a few of those Scriptures this morning. The first one, uh, there's many. I just pulled out a few um, to show you that it's throughout Scripture. So in Psalm 68, verse 5, the psalmist says, He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And then in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, it says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the works of your hand. And then Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, says this, Do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? And then lastly, as I alluded to in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, when Jesus was asked um, uh, in, in, in the prayer, he says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And talking that in the context of prayer, talking about God, our Father. And so, as we talk about Father, let me, biblically, it, the term Father carries a couple of distinctions uh, for us to understand as we move forward and we ask in the question, is God our Father? The first distinction uh, of biblical ideas is that she's the source of being. I think this is one for all of us can understand, right? The, uh, the source of life, right? Like, so, um, it's how you came to being. You had to have a male and a female, and the two worked together to create offspring. And so, the, the fact that creation came from the Father, He's created, that can be not only in the sense of children, but it can also be in the sense uh, of ideas or of systems. For instance, James Madison is known as the father of the Constitution because of his involvement in the creating of the Constitution. Chuck Berry is known as the father of rock and roll because of his, his input and his originating the ideas of rock and roll. So these, these men also have the term as father because they've imparted life. They created something. It doesn't always necessarily just mean uh, children or offspring. So, the biblical idea of Father is the source of being, of life, of, a, of creating, of creation. Uh, the second distinction that we have when we talk about Father in a biblical way is that one of position or title. So, uh, what do I mean by position or by title? Well, it's a title that identifies your role in the family, like uh, family unit, that's mom, that's or, uh, dad or father, that's children, that's aunts, that's uncles, that's, right, it's a title. It's, it, it helps understand the position that that person carries in the family. And with that, when we identify someone's title, someone's position, it then defines the cultural responsibilities, 
expectations, authorities, etc. that come with that position. Right? So a father might be expected to provide, to protect, to love, to discipline. And oftentimes, uh, as far as earthly fathers go, those expectations may change depending on the culture that you live in, on what's the role, uh, the expectations, the position that the father holds within that family. But it's, it's very positional. Uh, it's, it, it's used to identify and, um, and know the role and how other people interact with that role as well. And then thirdly, the idea of the sameness of nature or within their likeness. So this would come into where, uh, hey, you, I could tell that's your father because you look like him. Or maybe you don't necessarily look like him in a physical sense, but you look like him, you have the sameness in the way you talk, maybe in the way you think, in the way you act, or the kind of work that you do. Um, you have the same value system that was passed down to you from your father. So there's a sameness, uh, there's a likeness, there's a, a resemblance of nature or of character that comes uh, with that being called father. And this morning, if you look and you think of your father, whether he's alive or not, he carries one or more of those distinctions in your life. Now, he may only carry the distinction that he, was, he contributed to your life. He, uh, you know, he, he donated the right cells in order for you to be born. Uh, so he's part of your creation. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's all your father ever was to you in your life, but he carries that distinction. Or maybe your father didn't contribute to your creation in the sense of um, adoption or stepfather or those kinds of things, but he functions in the other two, that the positional, he's provided for you, he's worked hard, he's um, taken the responsibilities, he's protected, he's done these things, he's assumed that role of father, and maybe you resemble him more than you would your earthly father. So there might be these, hey, this, is, this, this man carries the title or this role of father in my life, not because he created and donated his sperm, but because he played these other two roles in my life. So when we think of fatherhood in the perfect sense of fatherhood, now let me... Let me uh, pause here and just say, uh, on earth there is no perfect father, right? It isn't. Ravi Zacharias articulated that. He said, hey, my dad, he did the best with what he knew to do in the culture I lived in. Uh, Years later, he apologized to me for that, but my dad wasn't perfect. There's only one perfect father, and that's in heaven. But if 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 we think of fatherhood and the roles within fatherhood, and if they were carried out the way they should be, there's two, there's two roles in fatherhood. That's the, the father's role, or the man's role, and that would be to A, be a source of life, which is, in all reality, the easiest part, right? It doesn't, it doesn't take much to contribute to somebody's life being born. But then, second is that there's a faithfulness to his position. Whether that's 
whether that's uh, inherited because he created life or it's, or it's given to him, it's his position to uh, the roles, the expectations in the life, to be faithful to those things, to provide, to protect, to love, to instruct, to discipline, right? That he's faithful to these things. That would be the man's role in fatherhood. But there's another role in fatherhood, isn't there? And that's the child's role. Because a child has to submit to the father's position. When you say, well, that word submit, uh, let's use these words, willingly accept the role of the father in their life. That's that's submitting to. That there's this willingness to say, hey, this is my father's role in my life. And I, and I accept that role in my life as somebody who, who's going to teach me, who's going to love me, who's going to discipline me if I need it. I accept that from this man. And then there's another part of the child's role, and that's this. To learn from and be like the, their father. Right? To, to hear the lessons learned, to apply them to the life, to, to realize that this is a source of wisdom and understanding that if applied to the life and lived like, would have similar results and those expectations. So there's a, the father's role, and then there really is the child's role as well. If those three distinctions are true within fatherhood, then those are the roles that exist. When we think in terms of God as Father now, if we take them off uh, our earthly fathers and our and, and human fatherhood and we look to God as Father, two things become very clear to us. One, in Genesis one twenty seven, that God is the source of life. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So that God is the source of life for every living person on the face of this earth. And I don't, for those in this room and probably those who are joining us online, I don't think this is a point that that you're arguing about, that God is the source of life. And so the term father can be used in that sense because one of the distinctions he fills. The second thing is that he is faithful to his position or his role as father. I mean, when you think about the, the purpose of the Old Testament or the entirety of the Old Testament, let's say that, and you start reading through, uh, we understand the Old Testament, and when we're reading it through our eyes, uh, to go like, man, it reveals the character and the nature of people, right? Like the inability to keep the law faithfully, right? And we know that the law was given for us uh, to help us understand and recognize the sin that's in our life. But the other thing that the Old Testament reveals to us is God's faithfulness to his role and his position regardless of how his creation reacts and responds. Which is a distinction of fatherhood. And so God is absolutely faithful to Israel. I mean, think about it. When, he, when they cry out to him and he responds when they're in Egypt and he, through miraculous ways, plucks them out and saves them, which is 
any father who loves their children, if their children cried out for help and they were being overwhelmed and oppressed, any dad would give his life to see his children uh, re- uh, rescued from that. I know I would. So God jumps in and he, he rescues Israel in a powerful way and they're wandering in the, business, de- uh, in the desert and they complain about him. Ah! You rescued us, but you brought us out here to kill us. Man, I, I know the earthly dad in me would have been like, you know, just, you know all the stuff that I've done for you, the miracles I just did, and this is how you repay? Like, the, the holy anger, well, probably not very holy, but, the, but something inside me would stir and cause me to be a little bit upset with the response, but God is upset with their response, but his, he doesn't act on that, on that. How does he act? He acts in faithfulness. He feeds them. He gives them water. He protects them. He directs them through the wilderness. Despite them, he is faithful to his position and his role as father, which is what a perfect father does. He loves provides, protects, disciplines, leads, regardless of his children or his offspring. Now, as we look in the Old Testament, Israel claimed God as their father. They said, hey, God is our father. They, they, they believed that, they, they rested in that, they, they acted like that. But although they claimed God as their father, they were failing to live like it. You remember the child role, that the child has to you know, accept, willingly accept uh, the father's position in their life and then work to act and emulate and learn from and be like their father? Israel was failing. And this is what Jesus addresses with the, the leaders in John chapter 8. And I want to I go to John chapter 8 this morning. I want to hang out there for a bit and say, what in the world are Jesus and the religious leaders fighting about as it relates to... Not, they're not fighting. They're arguing, and Jesus is trying to articulate something to them. So in John chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus says, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have learned from your father. So right here, Jesus is saying, hey, my father and your father are not the same person. Right? That's that's what this line is saying. I'm telling you, I've seen, I'm telling you I have seen in the father's presence. And when he says the word the father, he's referring to God the father, the great I am, the creator, sustainer of the universe. He's saying, hey, I've been in his presence and I'm telling you what he has said. And he goes, but, but you're doing what you heard from your father. And that's pretty, um, uh, it's not courageous, it's contentious, because he, Jesus knows that Israel claims God as their father. And of course, their response, which is natural, in the first half of verse 39, says, Abraham is our father. Jesus responds in the last half of 39 and through 40. He says, uh, If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. So um, Jesus says, uh, Hey, 
You say that Abraham is your father, but uh, you're not acting like Abraham. You don't look like Abraham. We, we can read in the Torah, in the books of Moses, and we can find out what Abraham was like and, and what he did and how he worshipped and how he treated people. And guess what? That's, that's not how you're acting. You don't look anything like Abraham. So therefore, he's not your father. You see the connection here, like, hey, your role, the child's role, is to be in the likeness of their father. And he's like, you are not in Abraham's likeness. So we go on here. Now, oh, I didn't read the whole verse. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited for myself. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God... Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. So again, this just points what I'm saying. He's like, hey, Abraham would not have tried to kill me, yet you're trying to kill me, so therefore Abraham's not your father, someone else is your father. I'm getting excited. I'm going to trip over this. There we go. Let's move on, verse, end of 41. Now they're getting a little riled up and they say, okay, okay, we're not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. So they say, hey, we're going we're gonna to go all the way back. We're going to erase all of the Abraham, Moses, all of the patriarchs. We're, just, we're going straight to God. God is, is my dad. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus, uh, but God's my father. You're pointing to another father, God's my father. Verse 42 Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Um, Pastor Steve's paraphrase, Nope, you're not acting like him either. So they're claiming that God is their father. And Jesus is like, Nope, I came from God. You're not anything like him. And then, verse 44, which is the ouch part. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. I mean, first of all, this, I I can't, I don't think we can imagine the level of offense this was at this time when Jesus said this. Because to them, they held proudly the fact that Abraham was uh, their father Abraham. You remember Father Abraham had many sons? Any of you old enough to... Okay. Isaiah! I'm glad that you, could, you know it too. Um, father Ab- Abraham was their father. And then beyond that, God is their father. And Jesus is saying, listen... You're not acting like Abraham or God. None of your actions would demonstrate that either one of them is your father. And so, what is Jesus' basis for calling the devil their father? That although God was their father positionally, they have failed in their role as the offspring. So God was faithful to his role. He was faithful to give them life. And he was faithful uh, in his position of the expectations we have 
or they had of God to lead, to guide the covenant that he had promised them. He said, hey, if you will be my people, this is what I will do. And he'd been faithful to those things. And so they were basing the fact that God was their father positionally. God, God made a covenant and God's been faithful to that covenant. He's our father. And Jesus is saying, um, sorry, you haven't held up your end of the deal, so therefore he is not your father. The person who is the, the killer, the deceiver, the liar, uh, all the things that you're acting on and doing, that who is, that's who's really your father. Because that's who you're emulating. That's who you're learning from. That's who you're like. Jesus states that for God to be their father, they would need to do what God does. They would need to be like him. They would need to emulate him, maybe not perfectly, but they would need to be walking towards and being like Christ, or like God the Father. This is why when we, when we see the encouragement to let your good works shine before others so that what? Who would get glorified? The Father in heaven. Because you're acting like Him. You're, the, the basis of who you are being and your good works and the good things that you're doing is based in the fact of your connection with Him and you're being like Him and now, therefore now people are praising it and you're saying, well, I'm just being like God, my real Father. And so the glory is diverted to Him because you're only acting like Him. You, you, you're not just some, hey, I'm, I'm taking this little piece of information that God gave me and I'm mixing it here and I'm going to be boo, super person and everybody can sing my praises. No, we just simply are being like God. And when we're being like God, when praise comes, He gets it. I speak to you this this morning because this mindset has crept into the church and into our lives as well. And I don't mean just faith assembly of God. I mean the greater global church. We have this thought process that, hey, I said a prayer at youth camp asking God into my life, therefore he's my father. Or I attend church mostly. God's my father. Or I carry the title Christian you know, when I'm asked on the census and the survey and they ask for my religion, I go, Christian, God must be my father because God is the father of all Christians. And we rest in this positional peace that God is our father because God has given us life and God is faithful to, to execute and do the things he's promised us. Therefore, he must be our father. But we neglect our role as children of God. And we still are content with calling him Father, though we look nothing like him, nor have we given him the position in our life he deserves as Father. Yet we still give him the title, he's my, he's my Father. And I bring this attention because Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for that thought. Your Father is really who you're like, is what Jesus is saying. And if you examine your life, 
And the total basis on who your father was was based on the kind of person you are. Who would you say is your father? I'm not bringing judgment. I'm not here to say, well, you're like this and you're like that. No, ask yourself. And if you're like, hey, I'm being, I feel like God's my father because oh, I'm, not, I'm not here to bring judgment. I'm here to... Jesus drew a line and said, hey... You're trusting in a positional thing. You're trusting the fact that because God is doing what God has said, that you're okay. But you've neglected the things that you need to be doing. Are we just assuming that God is our Father? Can we ask the question, am I fulfilling my role as a son or daughter of God? Am I accepting, am I willfully accepting the position the Father has in my life as, as, as authoritative, as the, the one who loves me the most? And we're talking about perfect fatherhood here, right? Please don't, don't, comp- don't use your Father's example, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, to define what fatherhood is or isn't. We use God's example to define what fatherhood is, and we compare everything else to God's example. Which is why Ravi Zacharias says, hey, God the Father is the only perfect father. And my dad was a good guy, and he did his best, and I love my dad, but he had faults in his fatherhood. And all of us can have that same uh, uh, thought process to our dads. Our dads were not perfect. Every one of us could sit and say, I wish my dad would have done this differently. So we're using God as the standard, not our fathers as the standard. So have we accepted the father's position in our life that he's, he's, our, he's my disciplinarian? That, that when I'm off and I look in here and I read something, I go, oh, you know, I really need to align my life with what God is saying. That I allow Him to correct me. Are we, are we when we're in need and we, we need healing or we need uh, emotional strength or we need whatever we need? Is our, do, we, do we call up God and we say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm in great need here. I need your help. Or is He the last place we turn? Have you accepted that position in your life. And then secondly, have we, do we learn from and emulate God the Father so that when people see us, they see God? Because honestly, isn't that the, the most honoring part of fatherhood? I, I mean, as a dad, when, when the things I've taught my, my children, they're living out, oh, I feel like I'm successful as a dad. Whether it be matters of faith, whether it be how they handle their money, whether it's their relationships or, or their work ethic or any of those kinds of things, right? When they're living out the things I've instilled in them, you go, oh, yes. Am I right, dads? I mean, there's, there's at least six dads in this room. That's the, the most amount of honor that we can have is when they're emulating those things. And so... Are, you, are we bringing honor to God our Father by, by living like He's taught us? 
just want to point this morning to the question of, well, how do we become God's children? Because some, you might argue at this stage, hey, pastor, you know, you're leaving out the grace component. And so I want to address that this morning because I don't want anyone feeling like their, their position with God is solely based uh, on, on only their actions and their ability to, to be like God. And so let's turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 2 this morning. How do we become God's children? In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Uh, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. Remember, uh, I encourage you to read all of Ephesians 2. I just don't have the time to get into it all today. Verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. So he's talking... He's talking to Gentiles. He's not talking to Jewish people. So he's saying, hey, at one point you were way away from God's family. Like, you didn't have the promises of God in your life. You didn't have citizenship in Israel. You had no hope for God at all. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he says, those of you who, who had to sit in the back row, or those of you who couldn't even enter the building because of your, where, where you were born, or, or any of those kinds of things, now, because of the blood of Christ, you're brought right here. You're brought near. You, too, can be close to God. We have been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus' sacrifice, his atoning and redemptive work that brings us to the Father. We don't become God's children uh, in the sense, uh, we're all children in the sense of we've all been created, but true children of God, it requires us to be in the family of God. And we're going to look at verse 17. He, talking about Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far away and preached peace to those who were near. What is he talking about? Those that were far away were the Gentiles. Those who were near were the Jews. So he says he preached the same message to both. In essence, he's saying it's the blood of Jesus Christ that's required for both to be the true children of God. Those who are far and those who are near both brought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you, we're not talking about this in this sense in this sermon, but I encourage you to read through Ephesians chapter 2 through the lens of racial reconciliation and what God did. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us near. Anyway, uh, I encourage you to do that on your your time. Well, it's all your time, right? But uh, anyway. Verse 18. For through him... We both have access to who? The Father. So we all have access to the Father by the Spirit through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we have access 
through the Spirit to Him. That's how we have access to the Father. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizen with God's people and members of what? His household. I don't know, in my household, we have, um, we have positional titles in my house. We have mom. We have granddad. We have sons. We have daughters. We have father. So when you're in God's household, when you become part of God's household, he becomes your father. That's his position. You're in his household. So it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that every single one of us can possibly even fathom to become children of God. Available to any and all who would come. We have access to God because of Jesus Christ. God did his part. And you can't do your part without God doing his part. That's the grace piece. You, you can't come on your own that's why Jesus said, hey, uh, the one who tries to come in over the wall is not the real guy. You've got to only come one way, and that's through the door, through Jesus Christ. Now, what do we have to do? Acts chapter 20, verse 21. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that we have to submit to God. And that's culturally, isn't that the most difficult thing for us to do? Is to submit to God and repent? Because when we repent, we're saying, hey, my way is the wrong way and your way is the right way. That's a hard piece. But when we do that, our repentance is a submission to God and who He is in our life and saying, hey, I don't have all the answers. I don't, maybe I don't have any of the answers, but I know you do, and I'm going to follow your way. My way's not working. It's your way. That's the, the submission and the repentance. It's accepting God in his rightly place in our life. And then in Colossians 3, verse 10. Again, read all of Colossians 3. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Before verse 10, he went on this whole list of, hey, this is who you used to be in your old self. You were this, 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 you were this. But now you, should, you need to put on your new self in the image of the creator. Who's the creator? Your father. Father God, the Creator. So it's putting on the image of your Creator, of becoming like Him, learning from Him, growing, so that when people see us, they see God. We're in His likeness. And when we have put God in His proper place, and when we are living and striving to be in the likeness of God, we have the privilege of calling Him Father. The question we started with this morning was, is God your Father? In all honesty, that's not for me to answer. That's only for you to answer. 
Have you given God the proper place he deserves in your life? Have you, the title he holds as father, have you willingly accepted that and given that to him in your life? And then are you striving? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you trying to emulate and be like him? Then the answer is yes. Are you do you have to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. That's grace. That's Jesus Christ. Because of through Christ, when God the Father looks at us through Christ, we're we're redeemed. We're we're made whole. We're we have we have access to the Father. It's not based on our perfection. But I have to I have to argue here as Jesus did. If you have no desire at all to be anything like God in your life, He is probably not your Father. Just because he created you and just because he is faithful does not mean that you can call him father. And on this Father's Day, on a day that we, we show respect and we show honor and we show love to our earthly fathers, or maybe you don't because you've had a terrible experience as a, of a father, or maybe because your father's passed away, and you just have memories. May today be a day that we, we ask ourselves, is, is God my Father? Have I made Him my Father? And you know what the awesome, incredible, wonderful thing about God is? If your answer is not really, I'm kind of like the prodigal son right now. I've, I've just been living my own way. I don't really care about his ways or his authorities or his place in my life. I really, I really don't want to look like him. I don't, want anything, I don't want people to think I'm like God. If you've lived that way and, and all of a sudden you go, you know what? I'm far from my father. He's faithful to forgive. That's the story of the prodigal son where the father, as soon as the son turned in his heart and said, I need to go back to my father. And he started the journey Man, the father and the prodigal son was right there. He saw him coming. He ran out to him. He restored him. There was no paying penance. There was no, you're going to feel guilty. Your brother's going to be over you now. There was, there was none of that. It was like full restoration as soon as he made the decision to turn back. And that's, that is a story told so that we can understand the heart of God the Father. That when we turn to him, He is quick to restore us, to love us, and to be our Father. I want to pray for you this morning as we close and just challenge you that on this Father's Day that you would, that as you honor or think of your fathers, your your earthly fathers, would you also include and honor God your Father. Make Him your Father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have given us life. Not only physical life, but Lord, God, You also, when we were dead in our sins, You gave us spiritual life as well. And you have fulfilled your end of the covenant perfectly.
You have been everything that a father should be, and you are our example for every single man in this world of what a father should and shouldn't be. And Lord, today as we honor our fathers, as we're grateful for our fathers, we th- our, our thoughts think to you at this moment, and we are grateful and recognize you as the source of our life and the faithfulness you have been to us. And today, we bow our hearts, we humble ourselves, and we willingly accept your position in our life. That you are our authority, that you are our disciplinarian, that you, are, uh, you love us, that you are our provider, that you are all of these things to us. And we look to you and we, we, we dedicate our heart, our life, our intentions to learning from you and becoming more like you, reflecting you, of putting off the old and putting on the new, that we may be in your likeness more and more with every passing day. We bless you. We honor you this day. And I would also pray today for everyone out there who's uh, thinking of their, of their earthly fathers and whether they were good examples or their fathers have passed away. I pray, Lord, that you would fill uh, that gap, Lord, that you would bring comfort, that you would be alongside, that you would, um, you would right wrongs, that you would bring healing. Lord, may you restore relationships in our, in our culture and in our country today between fathers and their children. Lord, we bless you, we praise you in your precious name. Amen.